Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, this morning we are in 2 Corinthians, just wrapping up uh, chapter 7, so we'll pick it up in verse 13. Uh, but before we get into the Bible study, because once we get to get rolling, we won't really stop. Uh, it'll break up a little bit, but I won't have time to say a couple of the things that I want to say before we get uh, into this portion of Scripture. For those of you who are visiting, I, this is your first time or you're just visiting or whatever, I just want to be real clear. You know, the lights here are paid by the um, Blue Valley School District, so that shouldn't be a problem. The lights aren't going off or anything like that uh, because we're getting into an, an area where it's talking about giving and our hearts about giving and stuff. And I just want you to know that this isn't, uh, we teach through the Word. So we started in Matthew a couple of years ago, traveling through the New Testament here, and now we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, heading into chapter 8. But you'll notice when you get to chapter 8, it, Paul is going to really get into some topics about giving and stuff. And I just want you to know, hey, everything's cool. Nobody's going broke. Everything's okay. Um, well, at least here we're not yet. I know that does happen in places. So I just wanted you to know that, you know, as we get started teaching about something like this, it's not a coincidence. I don't think that we're all here together and this is where we are teaching, but I don't want you to, you know, have some weird sense of, oh gosh, you know, he's, you know, trying to get, you know, extract resources from people or something. That's just not where we're at. That's not the way we roll. It's not what we think about that way and, and stuff. But when we come across those principles and those teachings from the scripture, we need to cover them. And so I just wanted to give you that heads up, you know, so you know what's going on, because I know some of you are guests and visiting, and I want you to be comfortable and not feel like there's any, uh, anything going on other than just going through the word. Let's pick it up in uh, chapter 7, verse 13 this morning. You remember, Paul had written 1 Corinthians, sent that letter out. Remember, that was kind of a corrective, you know, there were some issues that were going on in Corinth. Paul had spent some time there with them, you know, a year and a half or so teaching them, giving them instruction, helping them get rooted and grounded in their walk with the Lord, spent all this time with them. And then now all of a sudden he's, you know, leaves them not entirely to themselves, but leaves them to carry on and do ministry. And, and uh, he kind of catches wind uh, through others that were visiting and coming through that there were a couple of things going on that were less than healthy for a congregation of believers, but he knows them. He knows their culture. He loves them. He has a heart for them. He wants them to do well. He wants them to excel in their walk with the Lord. And so he sends this letter off, but he's not sure how they're going to respond to that. Any of us who have written an email, made a phone call, knowing that you, you've got to kind of say some things that are going to be difficult to say or whatever, you're not sure how that's really going to land. And you know God's put it on your heart, but there's some trepidation about it. You're not sure how this is really going to come off. And so, but you know it's important that you share this. And so that's what Paul had done. And obviously, this is part of the canonization of Scripture. This is certainly uh, spirit-infused. And he has written this letter. Now he sends Titus with this correspondence. Titus takes the correspondence. Paul has just found out that they received 
the letter. And not only did they receive the letter, they received Titus, they, they responded favorably. Paul now is reconnected with Titus. He's excited that it's gone so well. That's where we are, verse 13. Therefore, we have been comforted by your comfort. In other words, he's, you remember when he started off this letter in 2 Corinthians, the significance of being comforted in the Lord or by the Lord. You know, comfort is such an important thing. We need to be, have a sense of being comforted. The, the thing is, is where you and I go to get comfort is very significant, especially as believers. You know, we find that in, when we were in the world, some of us, when we were in the world, we would go to different places or be with different people. And that was where we found our, our comfort. And we did certain things to try and find comfort, only to find that we needed it again and again and over and over and over and over. And it was, there was no real sense of full comfort. The only place to really find comfort is in the Lord. And the only way that we can really bring comfort to the world around us and those who are in such desperate need of comfort is if we're receiving the comfort from the Lord ourselves, and then we can share that. Paul is saying, man, I had received comfort knowing that you, we're, you're getting the same comfort that I'm getting in the Lord and that Titus has brought the good word back to us. And we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. This tells you what part of the country he was from. For in, if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. They, Paul was so proud of the Corinthian church. They'd come out of the world, out of the darkness of all of this idol worship and all these things that were going on around in Corinth. It was a kind of a port city environment. And, you know, there's just a lot of bad stuff going on and all the idols that they had. And, and they're just uh, really uh, not far different from our society or our world today. They just focus on all of the wrong things as a, as a, as a society. And now they've given their lives to the Lord, this, this group of believers there in Corinth. And Paul is boasting about that, saying, man, you guys, it's so great. And my boasting was proved to be truthful of who you are and how you're such a blessed congregation. And, and he, he's so excited that that, that connection was, was good. I've boasted to him about you, and I'm not ashamed. He says, man, you proved it true. You know, isn't that great? What a good thing. You know, if you have... Uh, kids and, and you're, you're, you, you know, obviously your kids are the greatest kids in the world. I know that. Um, but the, the reality is it's so encouraging when, when that's kind of found by others, you know, that they see, they say, yeah, you know, it was great. We, we got to spend time with some of your, your kids or, or something like that. And you say, and they say, they give you a good report back about that. You know, that's the way the Lord feels about you. That's the way if you are living out the life following him, that's gonna be, it's tied together the same way. Paul says, man, that's his heart. You remember he had such a paternal heart for the Corinthian church, having birthed that in the Lord. He had been the, the guy sharing the truth there early on. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers. Titus reflects back on this as he's sharing with Paul the obedience of how you all of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. And so he says, now, 
You know how Paul is. He's a sharp guy. He sets this up just right. He says, man, I have confidence in everything in you. And then he's gonna share with them something else that they started out to do that he wants them to follow through with. And that's this sharing in the giving and receiving. They had really benefited from the, you know, that Jesus came through the nation Israel, you know, and they're the beneficiaries. We're the beneficiaries of that. And the church there was really struggling. And Paul was wanting, having come out of that culture and background, he, he knows there's a little bit of a rift and a difference between the Jewish believers and the, you know, Gentile believers. And Paul just kind of has got his foot in both places. He's wanting to bridge that gap. You know, he's wanting them to, to be kind of feel more connected together. And one way is that sharing, that giving of, of resources and things that would be beneficial. And so he's saying, hey, look, here's an opportunity to kind of connect some things. And that's his heart in starting off with these, this desire about giving. Now, God does not need your resources or mine. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. I am so offended by the representation that we see so many times that God's broke, God's program can't go on, God, this can't keep going unless you dig deep. So we're gonna pass the bucket and we're gonna keep passing it. You know, and you just lay in there just beaten, bleeding, giving, 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 so to speak. But the reality is, is, is God doesn't need it. God knows exactly where every speck of gold is on the face of this earth. The earth, the Bible we talked about recently, is his footstool. We, we just picture God so finite when he's not. The deal is this, is God is raising a family. He's our heavenly father and he's raising a family. God wants to separate you and I from our selfish, self-centered tendencies. When we work and we earn some money, our life went into that, right? your time, your energy, your efforts, you know, if, if you work with your hands or your mind or both, you, you've put time and energy into that, right? And so that's part of your life. And God's wanting you to be separated a little bit or give you the ability or the opportunity to not be so self-focused with it, but to give some of that. So we have the tithe, and I believe the tithe is clearly different than the offering. I believe the Bible discusses it differently. So, well, Pastor Jim, we're not in the Old you know, Testament times. We're, we're not under law. We're under grace. I understand. But if you go back and study, the tithe existed long before the law. Go back and read through with Melchizedek and, and what happened with Abraham. Some of these, these are principles and some of you will say, well, you know, I, I, I just, I don't really do, I do 5%, I don't really do 10%. Well, that's between you and the Lord, but God requires 10%. That's what he says. 10% is the Lord's. 10% is the Lord's. Of all the increase of whatever we get, 10% is the Lord's. That's God's. And I believe it says to take that into the storehouse. I believe that should go to wherever your local congregation is that you call church home. That's where that should go. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. You can believe whatever you want with this. And when we get to heaven, you'll say, gosh, Pastor Jim was right. I wish I would have done what he said, but, but that's okay. Uh, but the reality is, is that this is God's economy. This is how God structures it. The 
offering is above and beyond that. So Paul here is really talking about an offering that's being taken up. This isn't really part of the, the tithe that they were giving. This is an offering. So this is beyond. This is for the external function of ministry past what the immediate gathering would be doing or needing. God is raising a family. God's wanting to teach you and I as sons and daughters his heart. Most of us at an early age that grew up around the church memorized John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. That's one of the characteristics of, of God that's it's awesome. It's inseparable from who he is. He's just a giver, 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 giver. And so he gave his best, didn't he, in his son. God gave his best. One of the principles you'll find when you study through the Old Testament and then on into the New Testament, that idea of first fruits, though, the best of what we take in. We honor God. We give God his portion of that. Now, again, this is just a principle that's there in Scripture to help separate ourselves because, really, Jesus spent a lot of time on this particular topic because it's our life. It's something we hold dear. For some people, money can easily become their God. I mean, it's everything to them, what they can get with it and the stuff that they have. And, all, and this is just every, all their whole identity is caught up with their, with their checking account or savings account or resources and things that they have amassed. And praise God for any blessing that God gives you, but that's not your identity, you see. That's what God's trying to get you to see. Is, no, your identity is to be found in him as a follower of Jesus Christ. Our identity is to be found in him. Do you remember the, the distinction that Jesus made with the rich young ruler? He told him, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor. People get all hung up on the money part of that. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, just give all your money. No, that's not the point. The point was there was something between the rich young ruler and Jesus. There was this, this, this something was in the way from him having the fullness and the best of what God wanted for him. See, God wants to bless. God wants to do those things in our lives. The Bible challenges us in, in Malachi chapter three. Test him. This is the only place in scripture where God says, test me. Prove this out for yourself. As an individual, just prove this out to yourself. If you didn't do this thing that I won't honor and bless and open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that you can't even contain it. Does that mean that now we're gonna blab it and grab it and try and get the best car that we think we want and all that stuff? Think of your requests and my requests that we make. And we're always asking God to really give us something. It, we're, we're, we're just very absorbed that way. When you go and pray, you're asking God to give you something. And God wants to hear from you. He's, he's your dad. He wants to interact with you that way, but he doesn't want you to be a selfish two-year-old your whole journey, you see? He wants you to grow. He's growing a family. He wants you to grow up and, and, and just become a little bit not so absorbed with what you have because he knows that you find fulfillment because as a follower, a child of his, you're, you're now got this, this God DNA now. You see, you've been born again. And now God wants you to, to experience the benefits, right, of giving. 
Man, giving is such a powerful truth. Paul starts getting into this. This congregation is a blessed congregation. You remember, they, have, they lack in no gift of the Spirit. Nothing. God just has been so lavish with that group. And Paul really has told them, God has blessed you guys beyond belief. But he wants them to be givers also because that's a godly characteristic. Be a recipient, also be, so you're not just the reservoir, you know, that all of a sudden you're glutted up. You know, we become such fat sheep, we can't move around. We just kind of roll around and stuff, you know. God wants us to be able to move around and do things, but God wants to flow through us. Moves in us and works through us. He says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. God uses Paul in such a wonderful way here, I think, as he kind of gets him to kind of, you remember in the scriptures where it says provoking one another to good works? It's kind of the right spiritual sense of, hey, come on, try this. You know, it's that, that provocation, but it's a, it's a good, it's a righteous, it's a holy provocation, which is good. Just kind of provoking someone to a good work. Hey, come on, stay with it, stay with it. Provoking someone to a good work, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not the same as trying to guilt people into giving and doing something. That's not what Paul's doing here. I think that's what we see the world doing through the church sometimes, and that's offensive, isn't it? I don't think there's any one of us that haven't been offended by that. As you flick through the channels and you watch some of those things and, you know, God's going broke. Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. What are we gonna do, you know? And Seriously? It's just, it's too bad. God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, he says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in all your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. See that provocation, he's saying, hey, man, see that you don't, you, you're not lacking in any good thing. Think of how blessed we are. We just spent kind of time with family and friends kind of reflecting on, on how thankful we are for the things that God's doing in, in many of our lives and how blessed we are. And don't you think Paul would say, hey, do some things outside of yourself to display that love toward others. You know, don't just be the recipient, but also, man, be someone who extends that out to others also. I think Paul is very sharp here, and, and I think the Lord really moves in him in a special way because I see Jesus doing something as he observed in Mark chapter 12, Mark's account, chapter 12, where Jesus stands back and watches something going on. It was a normal function of 
at the temple. But Jesus sat with some of the disciples in verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury. And you remember there were these uh, large chests. They called them trumpets, but they were these large chests where people came and they, they dropped in their resources that they wanted to give uh, to the temple. And so they would be coming through and they'd be dropping off. And, and there's a big, you know, so-and-so's dropped in so much, you know, that kind of thing goes on. It's not exactly like that's my version, but it's kind of that type of thing. And, and there's just all this, yeah, ooh, you know, who's got a thousand, you know, and that kind of thing. It starts popping around and yeah, it, it creates like a circusy, weird environment. Well, let's read on. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. He was observing how, not how much necessarily, but how. And it's so important because Paul kind of capitalized on that. And we'll go back to that in just a minute. How the people put in money into the treasury and how many, how, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quandrous, which, you know, it's just, it's next to, it's very little. And so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, hey guys, check it out. Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. She put in more than all of those people combined so far. They put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Obviously, Jesus watched and saw, and knowing all things, and Jesus saw and thought that it was important enough to make note of that and to say, look at how people are giving. Look at what is the motivation in there to do that. You remember David buying a threshing floor, you know, he said, hey, I am not, because he said, no, no, David, take it, man, it's yours. He said, no way, I am not taking anything that doesn't cost me something. He understood this principle from the heart. And it, it, it sometimes does. It sometimes is costly. And I think this idea of giving, yes, it has to do with the collection for the saints. Yes, it has to do with financial resources, but it extends far beyond that, doesn't it? It really extends to our time and our energy, our efforts in the things that we put forth toward things. This is Pastor Jim. You know, I know as we listen to the Word, oftentimes the Spirit begins to convict us. And you know, Jesus said He's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through Him. You know, it is very exclusive, Christianity is, and I know that offends some, but it's also all-inclusive in that Anyone who would give their life to Jesus can have everlasting life, but it is exclusive in the sense that Jesus said he is the way, the only way to have everlasting life. 
If the Lord's tugging on your heart just now, would you open the door and let him in? Just pray this simple prayer of faith along with me now. While you're driving or, or wherever you are, uh, whatever you're doing, sitting in front of a computer, wherever you are, whether it's through the internet or through the airwaves, I just encourage you right now to open your heart to Jesus and begin that new life. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the newness of life that I have in you, and I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might be pleasing to you and give you glory. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.